We have a dream. We have a voice. This is the Anchor Nation. The Anchor Nation. The Anchor Nation. The Anchor Nation. Hi, I'm your host, Kevin Touch, and we are the, the Anchor, Anchor Nation. Nation. Hello, Anchor Nation. This is Kevin Touch, the host of the Anchor Nation Community Radio. And we're back with another episode of the Anchor Nation Podcast, episode 33, with Jessica Kaitis. I had a great time with Jess, also known as Jessica Tron Anchor. Been kind of kind of on and off the app, but that's okay. Had a great time talking a little bit about digital marketing, Australia, which my first ever interview in Australia that was humbling, and a little bit how just her life is with the digital media media agency, with the different time zones and different customs. You'd think it'd be different, but I learned a lot, and I think you guys will enjoy. So episode thirty three on its way. Hello, Anchor Nation. This is Kevin Touch, the host of Anchor Nation Community Radio, and we're back with another episode of the Anchor Nation Podcast, episode 33 with Jessica Tra. Without further ado, I'm going to let Jessica Tra introduce herself. Hi, everyone. So I'm Jessica Tron. I've been on Anchor since July, and um, I am a digital strategist with um, an agency in Perth, Western Australia. Awesome, Jess. Let's get this interview off for sure. All right. So, <laughs> Thanks for having me. So question one is, uh, who told you about Anchor? Um, well, I found out through Gary V. <laughs> I think a lot of people in must have found out through Gary V. Um, you know, and it's also interesting because I, I think the real question is who told me about Gary V? Because <laughs> yeah. I think he, he did actually introduce a lot of people to Anchor and it was actually just a coworker of mine introduced me to Gary V and um, it's changed my life. So, yeah. Just everything like anchor, social media, it's really changed the way I, yeah, my work ethic and everything. Mm. For sure, for sure. That's actually a great segue to question, too. And, and Gary B, he, he seems like he's the king of the set. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, question two is how has the anchor platform just changed the game when you run your station now? So I um, I guess I was a little bit different the way that I used to run my station. So I haven't really um, created any content the last three weeks. But the way that I did run my content uh, when I was doing my station was that um, right. I set out to educate people. Um, and through that way, I wanted to really educate myself. So at the end of every segment, it was, and which was just me talking about a different thing about digital marketing or content marketing, it was always like, hey, call in and um, let me know your thoughts or tell me where I'm wrong because I want to learn too. Um, and I found that, you know, sometimes that worked really well and sometimes I didn't really get a response or I might have gotten a response um, sometime in like a little later on and someone might have called in and said, you know, what you said a few episodes back, it really helped me out. Um, so, yeah, um, in terms of my um content I just found it it was it was weird like it started off with educating and then I, I guess um, a lot of the content turned into seeing where I could help others um, in personal development because I think ultimately right. when it um, assists with your career um, there's always going to be an element of personal development um, and I found that those segments did really well um, and then I would kind of um, share any segments where people kind of uh, added their thoughts or added their two cents. Um, yeah, so that's kind of how I was I was doing it at the time. Yeah, you started off with the education and the educating process and you kind of went to personal development. Now, just as a quick follow-up, now I know you said you've been off the air a little bit. Are you planning on anything hmm. to upgrade to get back on the air? Um, I have definitely been thinking about it. I have bought some, like, equipment, <laughs> like recording equipment right. to actually – I'm not playing around with podcasting anyway, and I've definitely thought about it. I have also been keeping up with um, some anchor stations, this is yours as well. Um, and, you know, I definitely see the value in it. But the thing is, is I know it's kind of hard, and I guess it goes against what Gary B always says, but anchor is not very popular in Australia. And so when I record a segment, as you know, like it's 9 p.m. my time, and oh, I don't yeah. know what time um when I record a segment I have to record it at like 7 a.m because it's the only time I'll get any kind of engagement so yeah the time difference thing I'm of two minds whether to just keep going with it and kind of be like one of the few in Australia who are really championing this platform or just kind of like wait and see it evolve and get more people from around the world involved so yeah 
Yeah, it's, it's just the fact that you're even in here with, uh, I think it's 13-hour time zone difference. That's that's crazy, but we should try. I, <laughs> I, I got to give you props for giving effort, for sure. That's 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 the main thing. <laughs> Thank you. So the question, you say something about digital media. So what is your actual current occupation and role in your, uh, your company or agency? Yeah, so um, I work at a digital agency, which is called BAM Creative, um, and my boss, his name is Miles Burke, and BAM actually comes from his name, his initials backwards, um, which is really fun and interesting because a lot of our clients write (laughs) uh, emails to us and they always capitalize BAM and they get very excited at the prospect of working with BAM. Um, But BAM has actually been around since 2002, so in Perth, Western Australia, um, that's probably one of the oldest um, digital agencies that did websites. So when I first started working there, I was hired as a web designer um, and then I was doing that role for about a year and a half and I'd been doing web design for over 10 years um, and I kind of evolved into being um, kind of a jack-of-all-trades, particularly when it comes to digital marketing and websites and in the last six months um, I've evolved even further to become um, a studio manager um, which I was doing a lot of strategy um, but a studio manager is basically managing the studio so all the projects that come in the best people for the job overseeing um, designs and strategy and making sure that it aligns with the customer service that we expect and also um, that really aligns with our brand as well because we want people to look at us as, you know, we will be able to assist you in any way. Um, It's a working relationship and when you come to us, you know that it's someone who's looking out for your best interests. Um, Because it can be pretty scary out there. (laughs) Oh, yeah, for sure. And you're right. You're talking about the customer service aspect and the best interest. Is there anything... Is there anything you like in particular about that that aspect of being a studio manager? Mm-hmm. Like um, I, well, one of the biggest things is that I've I've learned, and it's only, like I've been in this role. I feel like an infant in this role, um, and I had a really great mentor, and I'm still kind of getting mentored by right. this person. He's wonderful, um, and one of the things that we learned is you know clients they come into the project. Um, without trust. It's not that they don't trust you. There's no distrust. It's just that it hasn't been built yet. And so you have to be really careful that they're looking at the relationship that you have with them in a completely different way that you're looking at it. Um, You're looking at it as a kind of exciting project and and seeing where you can put the boundaries, but they're looking at it as, you know, they've just put faith in you um, that hopefully you can turn around sales for them um, and not just faith but dollars as well. And usually when it's, you know, maybe another company we're dealing with, um, it can go a little bit higher up the chain. So, you know, someone's gotten approval to go with us, for example, and it all kind of rides on them. So, you know, to be understanding of possibly the stress and the pressure that they're under for, you know, themselves to deliver through us. Um, so it's really about... Um, I guess we kind of try to understand what level of hand-holding we need to do early on, for want of a better word, mm-hmm. a phrase. Um, but, yeah, it's really just to try and build that trust. And really in the early stages, it's very critical. So, um, you know, we try and do that by um, our initial salesperson. He is – we try not to say sales because <laughs> it's kind of like a dirty word, uh, I guess. Um, sure. But <laughs> he um, – we, we just try to make it so – he doesn't close the sale and then just kind of like passes the client to someone else. He tries to stay in constant, constant contact with the client so they don't feel like they're just being passed around, that they're not just, you know, um, and, and we certainly don't want them to feel like, you know, um, they haven't got the best person on their project. It's just kind of the way I think a lot of studios do it. You know, salesperson gets someone in, salesperson says, now here's your account manager right. and that client's like, well, I've just spent all this time talking with you and telling you and maybe that you even know my kids' names. Like at this point, like, you know, we have some clients who, you know, the the lead up to closing the deal took a long time um, and many months of conversation. And now they're with this new person and they have to kind of build up that rapport again. So we just kind of try what we really aim for is making clients feel like they're dealing with a family because everyone in our studio we're all really close knit and it just makes it so much. um, They feel like they can trust each and every one of us. Um, So yeah, it's, it's still, it's like, that's a pretty long winded answer, but 
yeah, it's really about trying to build that trust with our clients. Yeah, I think trust will lead to like family tie. I think that's important because if you get the trust in like any person or just a client, you'll know that they in the long run will respect you and you're trying to treat them more like a family more than like a, a business will give you a, an edge in my opinion. So that, that's, a, that's a good answer actually. Definitely. And I think it also, you know, a lot of clients that have come to us and that maybe they've worked with other agencies in the past, they've always been kind of put off by the fact that maybe, um, you know, there's been high uh, staff turnover at other agencies. Um, and I think that having a kind of family dynamic in our studio, we actually do have um, two brothers that work with us. Oh, so I think from, yeah, it's kind of like we're all, you know, very, very close knit. And I think when you have that kind of family dynamic, it's, makes it really impossible to even entertain the idea of going anywhere else because you're just always you feel like you have this loyalty to your family members you know which can be a good and a bad thing um but I think yeah the clients do feel a little bit you know shuffled around if if someone keeps leaving and their account manager keeps changing they feel as though they're not important so I feel like with this kind of family dynamic we're kind of putting their their minds at ease and saying, you know, you're always going to be looked after no matter who you have, but it's pretty rare they get shuffled around. That's pretty cool, yeah, the fact that you still care about the customer service aspect and you still have to manage everything. That's good that you keep them in the trust. I like that. Yeah, well, exactly right. And, I mean, the thing is, is Perth is a really, really small town. I mean, I don't actually know the exact number of our population, but um, you could go out to a bar or something and someone will recognise you and be like, you know, like um, I worked with you or you were in a different um, department or something like that. It's so small and word gets around really fast. And, you know, for example, BAM Creative, we've really been changing our direction Um, and leaning more towards strategy in the last six months or so. Um, And that's, you know, only after 15 years of being heavily focused in only websites. And even that has gotten around town. Like even the fact that, oh, we're changing direction. Even our competitors are saying, oh, you guys are, you know, changing direction. So it's, it's crazy how, you know, and we haven't really had, We've got a lot of projects in the pipeline, not really a lot of projects that have gone live yet. So it's weird that they know that. <laughs> this is just a small place. Like we don't want um, our our name to be, you know, soil. Uh, yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. It's very small. Yeah, I know. I'm not too good with the Australian map, but I know. I know. Like, mm-hmm. how, how far are you away from Sydney? Are you, are you close, or are you kind of? We are on the other side of the country. So I think we are closer to, I want to say we're closer to Bali or Singapore, which is in a different country than Sydney. Um, It takes about, I think it's about five hours to fly to Sydney from Perth. So, I mean, people used to joke about Perth because it was called like the nanny state, like, you know, (laughs) the bars used to close, you know, at 10 kind of thing. And um, there wasn't really much to do around here and, except for getting really drunk, which I don't drink at all. So I don't really have that much to do. <laughs> um, but in the last 10 years, it's kind of had this resurgence because um, particularly Western Australia, which is the state that Perth is located in, became uh, it had a mining boom. And so we had a lot of workers from all over Australia coming to Perth um, and it really elevated our economy and also our population. Um, which is awesome, and it really brought a lot of change here. Um, but that has that boom has really died in the last twelve years or so. So a lot of people have actually left, and you can actually see that um, in the in the industry that I'm in because you know that trust thing I was talking about earlier. People are don't want to part with their money, you know, at all these days, and it's really difficult. So we'll get people who are really interested. They're interested because they know they need to make money, but they're very, they don't want to spend the money. So it's, it's a very trying time at the moment. That's, that's a little bit of a background there. Yeah, it's, uh, even just across the world, the economies are kind of, you know, st- still in that fluctuating state. So it's definitely important to remember where your, where your you know, economic standards are for the clients. I'm sure it's a lot to manage, and I'm sure you're doing a good job. On that's great. Yeah, I mean, in the last, um, look, I'm not going to lie, uh, the last 12 months has been quite difficult um, financially. Um, but because we have this, you know, family dynamic, I think we just kind of persevere together because we, we just, you know, it's kind of, we don't want to let it go. Not that it was ever at that point, but it was like we just had people 
hanging on and like seeing what we could do in the last probably I want to say eight weeks we've just exploded like we've had people you know wanting strategy and I always sort of had this belief that you know the key to longevity in this industry in this economy in Perth and probably Australia I'm not too sure but it's really in the strategy because you know a lot of that's where the longevity is um everything else comes from strategy and if you can kind of sell the value of a strategy rather than a website because once you've got them sold on the strategy right. it's much easier to sell them you know on a website or on social media um or i guess i'm more specifically meaning like a branding strategy um and then digital strategy so that's really been our angle um and you know i've had a lot of pushback uh, against that because it can be expensive for the client um, but also you'll find that you know we'll give them a strategy and we've also given them the freedom to take that strategy and they could go to another agency if they want to or they could do it themselves yeah, they they do it in-house. It, right, right. yeah. Um, but um, nine times out of ten they come back to us because they know and seen that we've understood their business and their objectives or they come back to us and they say you know explain this bit a little bit more um what else could you do for us so you know that that's kind of it's a little bit of a harder sell but i find that that is where you know you're going to get that longevity of a client because you've got that reoccurring um project and you're kind of tailor making this solution for them depending on their financials their objectives all those kinds of things um and yeah so yeah the last eight weeks that's been a real real winner for us and it's been a real uphill battle um trying to kind of get that across the line um internally uh so yeah it yeah uh it's been a really yeah it's been really awesome to see that so hopefully you know this year it'll just continue on Oh yeah, for sure. I'm sure the new year's always going to look it's a fresh start to see what happens. And you actually brought up social media, which is actually a great segue. How has the mm-hmm. podcast world and social media changed the way you work effectively in your agency? Not just you know with you yourself, but with clients too. So um, I guess, well, you mean podcasting on Anchor, podcasting oh, on no, I, like a podcast? In, in general, in general, podcasting well, like Anchor, well, I, iTunes. Yep. Um, well, I guess it's, look, a lot of people are really closed off to podcasting um, mm. and I can kind of understand that perspective. I think a lot of people have this uh, thought that to do a podcast, you have to, you know, be naturally amazing on air and have an amazing voice right. and have all this equipment and things like that and have this technological know-how um, to do things. And um and so I guess like podcasting is something that we've tried to introduce in the agency and we do our own as well. Um, and I guess by being able to create uh, that process for the way that well, I started off doing on Anchor just to, to sort of test the waters um, and then brought a full-on podcast to the agency doing that and refining that process is making it awesome for us to be able to say to a client, hey, we can do podcasting for you because we've basically, we're doing it. I mean, it's kind of weird to say like our only client is ourselves at this point with podcasting, but you know, like we can say like it's successful. We're we're already doing it. So all you have to do is basically just kind of like use all of our know-how and experience and do it. Um, So we haven't actually got any clients on board with that yet, but it is like there are people who are really interested in that. Like that's something that they want to look at in the future. Um, and then with obviously um, podcasting and we use, particularly with our podcast, like we'll use social media very heavily to promote that podcast. So I guess I don't really know if this is answering your question. I'm just giving it the motor shot. That's <laughs> good. You do but, good. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so with, social media, using social media with the podcast and how to kind of break down the content of this podcast and use it on social media has been really awesome because I think it's actually helped everybody understand the way uh, people interact with that content from the podcast onto social media 
whether they link through to the podcast, how they interact with the podcast, how they then interact with us. Because um, I think what we really needed was that kind of excuse to practice, right? So just kind of like use our own content because it doesn't really matter if we fail because yeah, it's your own, yeah. we don't have anyone to answer to but ourselves and maybe my boss will be kind of annoyed that we use the credit card but it's cool because, you know, we learned something. Um, <laughs> but like, like, you know, if we're going to go back to Gary Vee, what he always says is you're only ever going to learn by doing and I would feel bloody awful if I used a client and was like, you know, well, I'm just going to give this a shot and use their credit card kind of thing, you know, like I got to be 100% sure what I'm doing um, and I have to be confident in what we're selling. Um, I don't know if I – look, I'm always also going to learn through my clients. So uh, I don't always 100% know what I'm doing. Sometimes I do think like, look, I haven't tried this with us but I've got a pretty good gut feel that this is going to work based on X, Y, Z, maybe based on other social media stuff we've done, maybe based on other podcast material that we've done. Um, Cause I don't know if you've noticed, but a lot of the podcast material that we've done at Bam Creative, we change that so frequently, like right the formatting. Cause I don't like, honestly, I don't even know what I'm doing, but I'm like something will click eventually. Um, and we'll like find our groove so when I can sort of figure that out for myself and for us, then it will help like me to be able to direct clients on how to find it for themselves. Um, so yeah, it's look, the podcast is really the root of it all. And then, it, you know, social media, it, it kind of filters out on social media that way. Um, and it's just like I mentioned earlier, like doing all this and like I would never have done it if it wasn't for Gary B. So it's really changed the way that I've it's changed my career. It's changed the way that we definitely work in the agency. Yeah. No, it's important because uh, podcasting to me is it's, it's very trial error oriented. I think you have to kind of yeah. try and try new things because if you don't try new things with the podcast, it's kind of like you're stuck and you can, you can lose the, the concept sometimes, but if you keep trying, I'm sure it'll work effectively. And of course, social media, that's, I mean, just think about five years ago, even, I mean, that wasn't, really getting much steam and that look where it is now in 2018 it, it's uh it's it's moving in the right direction and it's probably that's the best way now you don't need your billboard you got your social media or your instagram and that was where question five i know you kind of answered with the advice part so I'll, I'll give you kind of like a scenario for question five so what is one thing you would do or say to help give advice to let's say a client about social media marketing you know like on instagram or a snapchat or something like that mm-hmm so as in like if what kind of platform they should use or right, yeah. it just, if, if they wanted to kind of get started on social media. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, um, something, something like that to get like a, to get like, let's say they have some like project, but they don't know how to market it correctly on like a social media. Which one would you prefer? Which one would you choose? Oh, sure. Well, we had, for example, we had a client come to us and they're quite high profile um, in uh, WA um, and they kind of came to us cause they said our bosses want us to be on Facebook. And so how many times a day should we post? And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, let's just like, this is like only the first date. Like, let's just back it up here and let's just like, not just like, <laughs> you know, like absolutely dive into like, cause the reality is, is that while Facebook, I kind of think Facebook is a really good platform for most businesses, actually, if not all businesses. So if you're kind of like, wanting to get started, but you don't really know where, then I would always sort of suggest Facebook. Um, but, you know, there's some businesses that would do really well on Instagram. So, for example, this particular business, they had a lot of little sub-brands and some of those sub-brands would do really well on Instagram and some of them wouldn't. Some of them would actually do really well on LinkedIn, but some of them wouldn't. So it's really about trying to understand your audience first and foremost and find out where they are because you can be on Facebook and you could be on Instagram or you could be on Snapchat. But if you're kind of creating content and no one's there, like you haven't yeah. got the attention there, there's really no point. So, <clears throat> so yeah, of course, you know, Facebook's kind of a standard, um, but yeah, then I would sort of do the exploration and you can really do that from, um, you know, starting to see, your competitors in a local area. That's where I normally tell people to start. 
um, it's kind of like copying, really. Um, you're not really essentially going to be them in the end, but it's almost like they've already done the hard work, so why not just kind of use it for yourself just to get a better understanding of where you're going to find those people that you want to target. Right. Anyone can post content just for content purposes, but if you can kind of hone in on that audience and then post good content with the quality, that will give the reassurance yeah. that your, your, your audience knows what's going on and it'll give you more sense of mind too. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, even delving into, so if you can find competitors, if you can delve into your uh, competitors, um, their post content and also the way that the users interact with the content. So if they're commenting, if they're liking, what kind of posts are really popular with, you know, the audience, then it will help you to be able to build your strategy on whichever social media network that you want to be on as well. Um, so that's what I mean. Like a lot of people just start a business and they start a social, like whatever, a Facebook profile. And they're like, why aren't people coming? And it's like, you know, you've pretty much yeah. got the answers right in front of you. <laughs> um, you just need to just need to know where to look really sometimes just to search and discover just gotta search and discover exactly. a little bit yourself and that's uh that's the answer it's definitely it's definitely yeah. more it's very more trial and error a lot of this stuff is trial and error though because if you think about it in the grand scheme it's it's like well you can get it right the first time but then a second later it seems like oh it's not working so you got to keep trying so it's important to keep an open mind for sure mm, of course and a lot of people also don't really know when to stop like when to give up, maybe right, something's yeah. not really working. Um, and, oh, you know, I've had, I've got a client of mine um, and she will message me probably two or three times a day on Facebook saying, I don't know if this is working. <laughs> um, maybe I should stop or like, you know, I'm, I'm never, I'm not good enough. You know, she just does the whole, like she breaks down basically. Yeah, like, look, yeah, yeah. yeah a lot of self-doubt because it is, you know, as you were saying, social media is so different from five years ago. There are a lot more people on it. There's a lot more content. Um, you know, people are consuming different types of content now and it's always changing. It doesn't really help when, you know, Facebook changes an algorithm, for example. Um, so it can be really frustrating. Um, but the, the key is really consistency. And if after, you know, a few months you know, six months, and this is when I say a few months, I mean like six months minimum <laughs> of wow. like sticking to a strategy because this is like, this is the problem. So many people go, you know, I try it for like a month and it's like, no, no, no. Minimum is like six months for a strategy, I reckon. Like it's just, this is just a rough ballpark. I'm not saying everyone has to do this, but yeah, like, right. yeah, but six months is, you know, it's a long game. And if you're doing like an organic posting strategy, it will be even longer for you. And so just now, um, so I've been working with this client for, yeah, six months now. So only now is she really reaping the rewards of that. And that is getting, um, she wanted to get more personal training clients. So she works in a gym where it's like group training. Um, and she obviously gets more money when she has personal, like PT clients. And she really wanted to do that. And so you know, I was like, you just have to stick with it. And it's so funny telling a personal trainer this because they're someone who, you know, they're all about, you know, being accountable, sticking to things, being consistent. And I felt like being, I was like the PT for her. I was like, you just got to think about it like, you know, like training for a competition. You know, you just have to be, you know, eye on the prize and just stick with it. So, yeah, I mean, look, if after six months you're still getting no one, then yeah, maybe but... try something else. Right, t t test test the waters. If it's good, it's good. Keep yes. keep sticking with it. But if it's after six months, your ballpark estimate's it's not working, definitely try something new and, and look for a different outlet. It's always important to stay open mm -hmm. with it for sure. Definitely. So, so question six: How is the team aspect? I know you you said your team is it's very important to have a family atmosphere mm. and the communication aspect of your job. Just play a role in how you communicate with other employees and clients. Mm hmm. Um. So. Mm, maybe elaborate a bit more on that question for me so I can answer I, a bit more. I got you. Yeah, so so like, how's, your, how's your chemistry with your team and, and just the fact that you guys have okay. good communication just help, I guess, the employees and your clients just make it, make it seem more friendlier and the, the, the service is more, you know, in sync? Yeah, so I suppose in terms of um, team communication, look, because we do have that family kind of chemistry going on, um, sometimes when there are moments of 
potential conflict or conflict, I suppose we probably deal uh, with it like a family. You know, someone might get a bit annoyed and then not speak to someone for about half an hour, but then they're okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, you know, they maybe just need a, a coffee and a laugh or something. I don't know. Um, and, you know, then sometimes there's more serious conflicts where it has to be taken to the boardroom and discussed. Um, we have a bit of a policy, which is it's an unofficial policy. Um, and it was coined by one of our directors and it was uh, communication on steroids. So we must communicate to each other and so if we have a new project um if we're having problems with a client if we need help and it's you know it's really funny because a lot of people uh and this isn't just at my um job this is just throughout my career a lot of people um do not know when to ask for help they always feel as though they must be a hundred percent responsible and accountable for everything and that causes so much stress and pressure on people you know because ultimately um it is a job and you know you are supposed to go home and live your life and sometimes when you take work home with you it means that you're not going to be the best the next day you know you probably you got your team members that are worried about you kind of thing so we have a um weekly a bi-weekly actually stand up uh chat um, everyone goes around in the circle and talks about what they're currently working on and if they need help with anything, um, any successes they've had, any failures that they've had. And we're all about failure. Yeah. <laughs> um, try not to be ashamed of failure because um, I think that kind of goes hand in hand with not being able to ask for help. Yeah, so we always try to learn from failure. Um and so, yeah, we, we try to be very open uh, in terms of communicating with um, our clients. Um, my biggest, I guess, thing here would be that um, a lot of our communication with our clients is actually done through email. So we don't tend to pick up the phone too often. So every now and then, you know, a client does like to be spoken to on the phone, um, especially when there's money involved. So if they've paid us quite a large amount of money, it's kind of like when you buy something online that's really expensive and you're still waiting for that email that's, you know, order confirmation and then shipping confirmation, all those kinds of things mm -hmm. um, that make you feel like you've, you know, you've got a safe transaction there. Um, so, you know, at important milestones, it's important to contact the client um, I know that, you know, some people in the past, myself included, unfortunately have been guilty of this where I get so busy because I don't just have one client to look after. I have like 40 or I don't remember last time I checked, maybe it was 60, I can't really remember. Um, and maybe like 20 of those are active, but still 20 is a lot, right? So yeah. I have to make sure that I'm on top of each and every one of them and that I'm making sure I'm contacting them. So even if nothing has happened on their project for two weeks because maybe they haven't paid their bill yet or maybe we're waiting for someone else in their team to confirm that they like to design or whatever it is that I'm just reaching out to say like, you know, Hey, how's it going? I'm just um, giving you an update on this project. Um, I, you know, it's on hold because of X, Y, Z, you know, we might need X, Y, Z from you. So just being very clear about the status of the project and also being very clear about what is expected from both parties, because you will be surprised at how many times, especially later in the project, that a client will come back and say, I want this done and I thought you were going to do it. <laughs> so if we can at least have it in writing and be very clear about the expectations and to make sure that the client is also clear of the expectations, it's really about mitigating any kind of um, communication breakdown later on, which, you know, can sometimes happen. Um, lately it hasn't happened that much because we've, been trying to work very hard on, on touching base with our clients more often so it's working really well yeah and the employee to you know client relationship has to has to be like that though because if something's yeah. out of line you kind of have to realize like oh why what what's going on so giving those updates checking in i'm sure it gives you reassurance knowing okay we can work on the problem if there's a problem or if it's going well just keep you know doing your thing and check in from time to time so yeah. it's important and i'm sure your team i'm sure your team has great communication skills too the fact you guys have like, mean, a, like a stand-up chat, that's pretty cool, i got to admit, because you, you're kind of open in a chat, you kind of <laughs> let your problems out. Yeah, yeah, I mean, look, it's 
sometimes they're very effective. So I'd say the Monday morning ones are not that effective. Monday no. um, morning. Um, so we used to do um, once every, I think it was like every Wednesday, for example. Um, and then we decided to up it to Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Um, and then um, we've got a couple of developers who are very grumbly and they didn't want to do it, which is cool. I understand that. Uh, and now we just do it every Tuesday. So I think kind of Tuesday is probably a nice balance. Yeah, because Monday kind of would roll on and people just start talking about what they did on the weekend. So <laughs> it wasn't exactly a fair. Some serious in my of course the Monday morning blues and then you get the, the midday the midday so yeah or, or midweek so I think I think maybe just do a little mm-hmm. shift or something like that will give you the best results rather than kinda going cold on Monday for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, definitely. This question was uh kinda inspired by I know you had a, like a interesting you came on anchor talking about this like mid August, like late August about just some problems you were going through with the agency. So when you had mm-hmm. those tough days of your job getting the best of you what was your support system like to push you through those hard times? So um, I'm very fortunate that I have a coworker. Um, I suppose it starts sort of within the agency and works out, but I think it's really important to have at least a support system within your workplace. And that's right. someone that, you know, I trust very much and um, he's a friend of mine. So um, it's, you know, an interesting dynamic because he is a friend, but he's also a coworker. So, um, you know, I feel very safe to be able to kind of nut things out and say like, look, this is bothering me. Do you think that, you know, should I approach it this way or should I just, you know, not even be worried about it? And so he was always really supportive. And in turn, I feel like he was kind of going through a transition um, in the agency as well, where I could be that kind of support system for him. So it was really good to be able to have, and it's still really good to be able to have that support system. Um, but outside, of course, it's my husband who is always extremely supportive of me um, and my parents. So my father um, worked for the West Australian government for the past 40 years. So he actually worked in um, the Treasury uh, Department of Treasury um, and worked, I think it was maybe two levels underneath the treasurer um, of the state government. So he, my dad is someone who's just extremely mild mannered. He's totally the opposite of me. I'm a very <laughs> fiery uh, person. Uh, my family, uh, we're uh, European. So we kind of have uh, fire coursing through our veins and I, I'm the very fiery side and my father is very mild mannered. <laughs> I talk a lot with my hands. Um, and my father, he's very mild mannered and very logical and he's just very down to earth, very humble person. And so I think I get some of those traits from him. Um, but I would always ask him because, you know, my husband is, he's absolutely fantastic. Um, my husband is also European and he is very blunt. And I know that that doesn't exactly fly with a lot of people, especially not a lot of uh some Australians because a lot, you know, there are a lot of Australians that are of English descent and <laughs> I think right. that can cause a little bit of uh, conflict. They're a bit more quiet. Um, and just being able to run uh, things past my father for his advice. You know, when I think about the fact that he's, Oh God, he's almost 30 years older than me. So he's had so much more experience in these things. And oftentimes, you know, when I come back to it, um, I guess, you know, I'm a very strong and stubborn person um, and that a lot of times I have to uh, just learn to control my, pretty much, you know, and um, a lot of times when I think of things, you know, I'm usually wrong (laughs) (laughs) and like, you know, I'll just start thinking like, oh, you know, what's going on here? Um, I'm, I'm very much someone I can read people very well, um, but apparently not very well at all sometimes because I just try to, like, I just kind of create a bit of drama um, in my mind. And so it's, it's really good to have, I think, a lot of um, that kind of support system to make me see the bigger picture. Um, you know, it's really important to be grateful and understand like um, it's, it's interesting actually, because I spoke with my uh, grandfather and he um, actually lived on a farm and oh, wow. uh, they didn't have much money. I think 
had about, uh, I think he has eight or nine brothers. I can't quite remember. He has a very large family. And um, his, his biological father died when he was two years old, I think. Um, and when he was growing up, uh, so they, they lived in Macedonia, which is the region in Greece, um, Macedonia. And um, there was a war at the time when he was growing up and um, soldiers would come into his village to try and take children to either kill them or um, make them, force them into being into the army. And my grandfather would um, go into the cellar and hide. And so when I think about, you know, and these are just some of the stories that he would tell us. um, And when I actually think about, you know, the legacy of my family and where we come from is really from not much and what we've managed to build you realize that when you have problems and hard times they're not really that hard at all no it's, it's important that your 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 family history and your your dad and your husband are and and they're just they're there for you i think that's important just the fact that they you can you can have that outlet also with the co-worker too just to vent and let your problems mm-hmm. go and you know you can be yourself rather than kind of you know, have to hide it in, I think it'll be important to just help your brain and help you recharge too. Yeah, I mean, I mean, look, it comes down to even just in the agency, the family right. dynamic. And for me, like, family is everything. You know, if you, I mean, look, I'm really fortunate to have the family that I have. And I know that there are some people that are not that fortunate, but, you know, there are obviously people out there that kind of become like your family. So even like with my coworker, he is in a way is almost become like family. So, it's, yeah, it's really important to me. For sure. For sure. It's family, especially uh, European, it says having the family culture is tight. I like that. For sure. Yeah. And loud. <laughs> yeah. Loud too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Very, very loud and very, very fiery, very quickly. I don't know where my dad came from. We always used to joke that he, like, fell off the back of the truck or something because he's just so completely different to the rest of his family. You know, they're all loud and crazy and they swear like sailors. And my dad's just very calm. I think he just, yes, very, very calm. I think he just learned to blend into the background a little bit. <laughs> That's pretty cool how your family history is kind of, like, you got you got the fiery side, the passionate side that he got, all right. Mr. Call, mm-hmm. Mr. Call, dude, that's pretty, that's pretty cool. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So question, it is kind of more of like a, a fun question, is what is the experience like? I know you went to like de- deadlifting and uh, fitness competition. So what, what was the experience like? Um, so I did a novice powerlifting competition in August. And, look, it was a really amazing experience. I'm, I've always kind of prided myself on being a complete clumsy idiot. I don't like sports at all I always trip over everything um I can't help it um so it was a real big challenge for me because I always really wanted to do powerlifting I like the idea of being strong um and I guess I understand what it takes the kind of hard work it takes to get to that position um and so that was really meant more to me than getting up on a podium and trying to get a personal best like it wasn't really about the weights that i pulled that particular day it was really about going through that journey of of being uncomfortable i mean i felt really uncomfortable for the you know it was like the 3 months that i was preparing because it was like every day i was like i can't do this what the hell am i doing like <laughs> and it was just you know that other part telling myself like just be patient you know, it's, you'll get there, you'll get what you're looking for. You know, it's really funny because, yeah, it's not just about the powerlifting. It's a life lesson because I felt out of my comfort zone each and every day. And it's so, like for me, I don't know what it's like for other people, but for me when I feel uncomfortable, I just want it to end. It's kind of like this um, possession, you know, it's it's kind of like something crawling under my skin. I feel so uncomfortable. I just want to like do something. I want to, you know, leave. I want to eat something maybe to feel better. I want to, yeah. you know. <laughs> um, but a lot of people don't stay in that too long. You know, um, they want to go back to feeling comfortable. I mean, it's just a survival thing. We want to be comfortable. Um, but when you're comfortable, you never you never find what you're looking for ever. And I think that was something I, I, I posted about very recently on Instagram. It's like, you know, you just got to stay in that uncomfortable phase for that little bit longer, that a little bit longer, and you'll get what you're looking for. No, it's important that, you know, 
although you may not like it, but stepping outside your comfort zone is huge because the fact that you can kind of step outside and whether you – who cares about the result, just the fact that you grew from it and, you know, you learned something. Maybe you could take it into your job or, or end in your family life. Just that, that – that, I think that's the message for sure. 100%. I mean, I don't know if you, you checked out that Instagram post, but – in it, I said, you know, for that powerlifting competition, I actually got disqualified in like really early on. I got disqualified in like my second out of nine rounds. Um, and when you get disqualified, it's like you might as well pretty much go home. Like <laughs> it's, a, you know, it's really disheartening. And, and the thing for me is like I'm five foot eight. I'm not like particularly tall, but I'm not particularly short either. All the other women in my team were roughly the same height. And I remember standing next to them and I actually have longer legs and arms than they do. So <laughs> it's funny because it's, that is not a powerlifting body. Okay. So when you do powerlifting, you want to have shorter legs and shorter arms because it means that you've got shorter to pull and shorter to push. And I just look, I just, I remember feeling like this big, like gangly kind of like arms and legs everywhere. right? Oh, <laughs> um, and so when I say how uncomfortable I felt, I mean, that was really a big part of it. Um, and I felt very uncomfortable. And even though I was disqualified, I just thought it doesn't really matter to me. I don't really care. I didn't really come here for the certificate. Um, I came here because it was all about that journey and it's even about today, even about being uncomfortable, even about the fact that I got disqualified and I'm just like, you know what, I'm just still going to go up there and I'm still going to do my lifts and I don't care if people are annoyed with me (laughs) that they feel like I shouldn't be there because I worked really hard to get there. And the other part of that is I do take it into my job. I take it into my job all the time because um, it takes a lot of uh, control and stamina to be able to, push weight that might actually weigh heavier than you. Um, And especially like when you're doing squatting, for example, because you're pushing weight away from the floor that I find that's kind of hard and terrifying to do. Um, But I can take on a lot of things um, in my job that I've constantly had people say to me, you know, you can't, you can't take that on. It's too overwhelming. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I don't see it the way that they see it, I know and I'm very conscious of myself. I know when enough is enough for me and I think that I wouldn't have been able to fully understand that if I didn't do weightlifting or powerlifting. That's not the same for everyone, but it's just the way that it's worked out really well for me. No, it's important. Like that, That's something maybe, you know, if you hadn't got into it, maybe you, you would have felt like that a person. Maybe, maybe it wasn't overwhelmed, but now that you know it's totally. – yeah, now that you kind of have that experience, like, oh, this is this is not bad. I've been through, I've been through, you know, <laughs> lifting x amount of pounds, and then had the training behind it. Now it's like, ah, oh, this is this is nothing like a piece of cake. So, I, I understand completely. I, I understand completely. Just getting outside your element will definitely benefit you in the long run for sure. And the other thing too is one of the reasons why I got into weightlifting is because I was an extremely unhealthy younger persons in my 20s I was very unhealthy didn't like I said didn't do any sporting or anything like that my job obviously I have to sit down all day every day and as we know obviously sitting's really bad for you um but I had a lot of back problems and I had a lot of knee problems and at the time I was you know 25 and I felt like I was this old person and so I remember reading that you know doing weightlifting um, actually helps with um, back and knee pain. So that's why I started doing it. And I don't have back or knee pain at all anymore. So yeah, helps that was helps, one yeah. of the biggest reasons. Oh yeah, it's awesome. Really yeah, good. Yeah. And you found that early, you know, early enough where you're like, okay, I can kind of do this. And I'm sure, I'm sure it's definitely paid off with you know, no back or knee problems. I'm sure when you go to bed, it uh, feels good when you wake up. So. Yeah. Yeah, not right now though, because I've got really bad sore legs today after my workout. But I know. It will be <laughs> for sure. But for it's sure. all good. It's all good. <laughs> it is all good. It's all good. We're on this interview. I think we'll be good. <laughs> all right. So, so question nine is this? This is kind of like my uh, an important message to the youth. What is one message to the youth? Uh, just trying to make a good social media strategy, just at a younger age, just trying to figure out the ins and outs. Doesn't even have to be a project, just in general. Well, I think, you know what, the youth scare me because I feel like they know more about social media than I do. Um, and so I don't, I think they would probably be able to tell me. <laughs> yeah, right, right. 
who would make a good social media strategy. But um, so I think one of the biggest things is, and you know, as I mentioned before, um, is really understanding your target audience. And I mean really understanding them. Um, and I think that might be a little bit too advanced because, look, there's kids out there, man, and, like, they just go for it and yeah. it's so well for them. Like, I don't know if you have any idea of, like, what I'm talking about here. But, you know, like, it's amazing the stuff that people are able to achieve. But oftentimes they hit a wall and they're like, okay, you know, whatever I was doing before, it's not really working as much as it used to. And I guess I love trying to understand my target audience a lot um, just down to like what their interests are, what TV shows they like, how they probably like the products they use during the day, kind of getting a good idea of their day to day, what they work at, all these kinds of things and how my content fits in there. So how, you know, the, those these young'uns, how that content would fit into those people's lives. So, like, I never would have ever thought that unboxing videos on YouTube would yeah. have exploded the way they have. But, like, or even just, like, YouTube videos on blow-drying your hair. Like, when I was 17, back in the old 2002, I had a blog and I did a blog post about blow-drying my hair because it was my thing when I was in high school. My hair was my thing. Uh-huh. Um <laughs> <laughs> and I got so much crap for it. And to think of now, like how there's just like YouTube videos on this, it's absolutely insane. So yeah, I don't know what I'm talking about. The kids know everything. <laughs> well, it's interesting. You're right. You're right. I mean, just just even think like six years ago, this was nothing. And now, it's like it's like you had you had the idea right, and then all of a sudden, you know, the kids came in and kind of ran with it. <laughs> oh. They know it all. It's so funny because, like, you know, Gary B, obviously, um, I always joke and call him my husband, but um, I'm not in love with him, as my coworkers might think, um, but I just think he's absolutely brilliant. But he always talks about things like not to be scared of things, like use Snapchat, use whatever other platforms he always raves on about. And I notice I catch myself going, oh, I'm not going to use Snapchat because, like, I'm almost, you know, I'm 33 and that's for kids. You know, and I'm right. like, oh, man, like, come on. You catch yourself thinking that. So, yeah, like, I try not to do that. Um, so I was even thinking of doing YouTube. I don't really bank on being a YouTube star, but it's more like just learning, you know. That's really <laughs> the <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's better, to, it's better to learn than, you know, not try it. It's good to – that's kind of like an outsider element to it. It's important. YouTube, it's interesting because YouTube, I feel like, I feel like you can get a big audience, but it takes a lot of work, it seems. But I don't know. It's, it's yep. video. It's video. It's true. Yeah, I think it's going to be a lot more work than audio. I mean, I honestly thought that, I mean, being naive a bit, I thought audio wasn't that big of a deal. I did audio in, at uh, university, and I remember having a great time, but I forget that I was like drunk for most of universities. So I, probably my memories are a bit different. Um, but yeah, doing the BAM Creative Show podcast, which is like, I think that's about an hour. Um, ha- like having two other people with me, um, it just like, first of all, the show itself is one thing because it's like, who talks now? you know, someone's being silent and it's a little awkward and <laughs> and, these things. and then it's, and then it even is the audio. So, you know, we might get the audio back and it's absolutely terrible. And we may have, there was an episode where we forgot to turn off the air conditioner oh, and it was just like, this, yeah, it was like this gentle hum in the background. And then my coworker was like trying to like get rid of the, the air con hum in, Oh, it was just a disaster. And then we had like a incident where, um, I think one episode where the audio was being recorded out of the headphone jack or something. And so it just sounded like we were in a little box in the corner. Oh, jeez. But I also do um, the video, right? So it's really simple. It's just like my phone on a tripod and it's actually recording us because we always had this idea that if people can see our faces, um, they feel like they're a little bit more involved in the conversation so they can consume that content if they want to, or they can consume the podcast in the car if they want to. So like whatever it is. And it's not like a a terribly elaborate setup um, or even editing process, but man, it it takes a lot of work. 
It's like an hour. It's almost like a um, a full-time job, it seems like, sometimes. It it really is. And, I mean, look, there's a lot of things with with our podcast that I would love to change. Um, Obviously, I would just love an actual camera, not just a phone. Right, right. Um, And and probably introduce, like, maybe um, multi-cameras and things like that to make it a little bit more dynamic and interesting and, you know, all these YouTube cards and things like that. But, like, I actually do that in my five to nine. So all the editing and uploading and writing the content, I do that when I get home. So I, you know, kind of try and just do what I feel is most important and what I can get out um, in that time. So I definitely have a wish list, but it's very long and very time consuming. Yeah. It's, it's interesting how video you get it, you know, editing. Yeah. You got to think about the editing process, and even just audio. Sometimes you got to make sure everything's right. It, it does take a lot mm-hmm. of work. It does take a lot of work for sure. And also I'm very critical of myself um, because, you know, I'm watching the video and I'm just, all I'm watching is myself. And I'm like, why do I, I realize, you know, I'll cut people off while they're talking or I'll do this. I can tell there's a moment where I think my bra strap is showing because I'll like, someone's talking to me and I'll just randomly like turn away from them and like adjust my like neckline or something and I'm just like oh my god you look so stupid um probably not good that I I edit the video but anyway anyway (laughs) yeah uh, later no (laughs) for sure sure. but it's just it's just those ridiculous things are like oh that's not possible then you see the video and you're like oh wow well I guess it happened (laughs) it's quite good because it does like it's actually helped me to identify where there's particular holes in that show. So like initially we started off, the content was about, you know, again, the education side of things. Um, And then we just realized that, you know, being an hour in length, because there's three of us and we tend to talk quite a bit, we can't really cut it down more than that. I think we've had a few episodes that are half an hour and they're the episodes where, someone felt like they were stupid and had nothing to offer to the conversation. So they just didn't say anything the entire episode. And I was like, well, I don't want that. I want people, I want everyone to be able to have their own voice. And so we kind of changed up the format to be um, a little bit of everything. So news about social media, what's happening there. Cause it changes so often. What oh. can we do? How can, yeah. So how can the new things be implemented? And then a lot of, you know, chatter kind of like flows into like the newest Star Wars film, you know, because <laughs> there we're trying to introduce obviously ourselves. So a lot of that kind of evolution is based on me actually watching those videos and going, okay, well, that's not really working because I do want everyone to be involved and everyone has experience. And of course we don't have to be equally experienced in, the same things that's not going to happen because we're all very different but i want everyone to be engaged like if the hosts are engaged then at least the listeners will be engaged and i yeah as i said i wouldn't have picked that up if i wasn't watching the video so it does certainly yeah. help yeah for sure and kind of find your audience finding you know the balance between this person talks a little bit here they talk a little bit they're kind of kind of getting everyone involved and you know spreading the message out it'll definitely help in the long run for sure Definitely. We had an episode, I think it was, uh, I don't remember what number it was, but I think we spent about 45 minutes at the end of the episode talking about Batman. I can't quite remember what happened, but it started off with like Facebook marketing and then I don't know how we started talking about Batman. But there we have it. I just was like, you know what, just leave it in because I'm pretty sure no one is listening at this stage, so it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you kind of get to like a certain point. I'm like, "Eh, forget, just leave it. (laughs) Yeah, oh, it's man. fine. Just leave it in. <laughs> uh, the, the greatest of long form content, right? <laughs> all right, so, so our final two questions are, uh, this is a great question, Ted, is just what, what is your goals in the next five years, whether it be your personal development, your work, uh, anchor, or, or just maybe going back into deadlifting or something like that or in a competition? Yeah, uh, next five years. Okay, so I, I definitely, I mean, even though I've gotten into this new role of being a studio manager, I obviously want to really um, get more experience in that. And obviously the only way I can really do that is to spend more time in that. But um, ultimately I do want to have my own agency, um, but being a studio manager is pretty close at this point. So I'm really using the experience in this role um, to, 
you know, help me grow. Um, in terms of Anchor, I don't really know, you know. I'd really love to do Anchor. I'd really love to bring it back. Um, at this point, I don't really know what I'd be able to offer. Um, but, look, I'm, I'm open to to seeing how it goes. And I think it's actually going to be around for quite a while because um, it's really put um, podcasting in the hands of the people. So I think that's really awesome. Um, but as as for powerlifting, um, I really enjoyed the journey, but I didn't really enjoy the day. I actually thought the day was a bit of a nightmare. Um, I think I might have actually <laughs> talked about that in one of my episodes. Um, and that was like being really uncomfortable. So while I really love powerlifting, I'm obviously going to keep doing weight training, but I really had this idea that I was going to do um, – powerlifting I wouldn't say professionally but um compete properly compete like not just in a novice competition so if I actually got disqualified I would actually just have to leave um so I definitely thought about that but I suppose in the like last six months my my goals have really changed to being a bit more career-minded I suppose I can do that now since I'm I'm young and I I don't have children and I don't plan on having children so I kind of have that freedom to you know, dedicate that time to my career. So that's really where I want to want to go. Yeah, that's that's you know that that's good that you kind of stepping on your own with the agency part. You know, just to kind of find your own, that'd be kind of cool. I'm sure you could kind of run yeah. more free, run more freely too, for sure. You don't have to worry so much about you know, oh, this isn't good. Well, if you're kind of like your own boss, you're like, oh, all right, I, I can kind of fix it. It's pretty cool, I think. Exactly, and also it's not my credit card, so. <laughs> yes exactly right so ultimately look there's some responsibility that falls on me and i'm very right, right. i'm very much someone who's like look if i've done something wrong of course i'll take responsibility i've always sort of been like that um but i kind of like the idea that I don't have a hundred percent responsibility laying on my shoulders, resting on my shoulders at the uh, moment. <laughs> yeah, you kind of just break it up and you know split it up in the even parts. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Exactly. So this is always the fun question. Question eleven is: uh, What is one thing you like to tell the anchor nation that they may not know about you? It could also be a fun fact. Um. Well, I feel as though anchor knows everything about me because <laughs> I, I think my station was a bit of a confessional towards the end. And I think I was just telling Anchor everything and it was really actually quite heartwarming how many people yes, support. take the yeah. yeah, to actually send me a message. They probably thought, oh, my God, like, do we have to, like, report Jess? Is she going to, like, jump or something? They probably didn't think that. But <laughs> it was actually really amazing. Um, but I think one thing I actually never really talked about um, and – I'll probably get a bit serious is the fact that um, so in the last, you know, two and a half years that I have been working at Band Creative, it's been a really amazing experience for me. And it's actually the first time that I've ever worked anywhere where I've been valued as um, a person and a team member and been allowed to excel and sort of change into a, um, you know, from a web designer to a digital strategist to a studio manager. Um, I've worked in a lot of other places where that hasn't really been the case for me. Um, I've always been very ambitious and it comes from a place of, um, I think it comes from a very maternal place actually, but I always want to help people. And I think this is also why I value the family relationships that I have, um, whether real or constructed. Um, and so I've always experienced my managers and my uh, team members in my previous jobs uh, very, I suppose, jealous of, of me and, and constantly trying to hold me back um, and taking projects off me that I've created uh, or processes that I've created or even doing things to make me try and leave my job um, because, you know, you can't just fire someone uh, without right. any reason um and it's been very difficult and very hard but i've i've always tried to persist um because i do know that 
I, I feel as though I'm, I'm good at my job. I don't necessarily think I know everything, um, but I know that I'm very passionate and I care about people. And so I think I come from a, a good place. Um, I've never really been one to be very competitive and try to tear people down, unlike my former team members and managers. Um, and so I kind of just always persist and have this belief that people are good and a lot of times people come from a place of insecurity um and I guess that I've always uh, what I what I really want people to know and understand is that you know there are sometimes times in life where you feel as though people are kind of awful yeah they want to tear you down but um you must believe that there are actually people out there that are and they're actually really, there are really good people out there that will give you the chance um, that you just have to keep persisting and believing in yourself. And I think, you know, that's not necessarily something that people don't know about me. That's not a fun fact, but um, it's just a big, huge life lesson that I've learned along the way that I keep perfecting and refining and a bit of advice that I feel as though, you know, it's like kind of like a two in one, like some stuff you don't know about me, but then there's also like a little bit of a, you know, positive <laughs> note at the end of that is just to say, just, you know, believe in yourself and just keep working hard and, and being good to everyone. No, that's good that you ha- you kind of ended this on a kind of more serious but also a real note because the fact that people people are, you know, some people, of course, they're always the, you can't please everybody, the, the haters, kind of doubters. But then you got the people who are willing to just give you those five, ten seconds to be like, hey, I got you. You know, I think that's that's important. You kind of want to stay with those people because not only are they positive, but they'll bring you up to a good place as well, for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, thank you so much for having me on today as well. And I must say that I am extremely impressed with, you know, everything that you've been able to accomplish on this platform. And I think it's just absolutely fantastic. Yeah, thanks, Jessica. I, I appreciate it. I try my best every day. And I think uh, hopefully with the changes, we'll, uh, we'll definitely do it. But before we go, thank you to Jessica Tron. And you like to, since this was a great episode about social media. I'd like to DM your social media to the world. Oh, sorry, say it again. Oh, but you want to um, DM your social media so they can find you? See where they can find you? Oh, yeah, sure, I will do. Excuse my bit. Do you want to mention like your Instagram or like my bit? Oh, sorry, I've got um, I've got a couple of cats here and they're disru- they're distracting me. I'm sorry. So my social media, you can find me on Twitter. Um, it's at Jessica Tron, um, which is basically my anchor username, and you can also find me on Instagram with the same username. All right, sounds good. Th- thanks to Jessica Tron. Appreciate that the cats coming in, but I uh, appreciate her just giving <laughs> g- g- giving give a great <laughs> giving a great answer and just a great time. And to the the anchor nation out there, thank you for giving your undivided attention as always. And we'll see you next time. Thanks again, Jess. Thank you. Bye. I'd like to shout out Jessica for coming on the show. Appreciate her time and attention to the Anchor Nation. Had a real good conversation, like I said. Appreciate uh, her answers, especially the time. I mean, we're on a 13-hour different time zone, and we still got it in. So I really appreciate that. And uh, thanks for Jessica for staying up late. Myself and the Anchor Nation for tuning in as always. Thanks again, guys. Thank you, Jessica. Hi, Anchor Nation. This is Kevin Touch of Anchor Nation Community Radio, and I'd like to say thank you for listening to the Anchor Nation podcast. If you'd like to book an interview or DM me on Instagram, follow me at the Anchor Nation. If you'd like to follow us on Twitter, it is also under the Anchor Nation. Thank you for listening and enjoy.